been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 18. And today we are going to continue the Cream of the Crop series. And uh, today I bring in a very special guest. Of course, he is the host of Chasing the Natty. He is my fearless leader on the CFF team here in Campus of Ken. It's Mr. Jared Palmgren. You can find him at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. Jared, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thanks, Brandon. It's all again, it's, I love coming on to the show. It came out last year when we were doing this. I think we did Spring Break Springers, is what we called we the did. episode. Yeah. Uh, so that was great. And then you brought me back on to do the fre- the freshman draft that we did to kind of as like a season finale for the future freshmen. That was pretty great. Well, actually, no, you had some interviews afterwards. We got the interviews coming up. But yes, yeah. the, one of the most exciting episodes of the year is the, the mock draft we get to do. So I'm excited to bring you back on and relive the old times and see how we're looking this year compared to last year and kind of comparing and things like that. So it'll be a fun time. But I wanted to bring you on because you understand systems and systems mm-hmm. play into players. And with these wide receivers, there's some landing spots we really like. And then there's some that uh, maybe not so much that we need to discuss and talk about where we're comfortable with them and things like that. But first, Jared, let's uh, add this to the stream first. Of course, we're going to talk about the cream of the crop wide receivers edition. Mr. Zachariah Brunch looking really cool in that sweet USC jersey, taking a phone he call. He does away. look very swagger. In that He's, he has swagged out. That is USC to its core. I think I was talking to Austin last week about how Malachi uh, Nelson just exudes swagger. I was like, this must be a beach USC things because even Kayla Williams has it. So I'm just like, yeah. these cats at USC, so much swag, so much swag. But well, they're all we from talk- Calif- a lot of them are from California, so it, it, it just are. makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, they're all just Cali kids living their best life now in Southern California, living it up. But before we talk about these guys, we do need to mention, hey, campusdecanton.com, where you can get anything and everything. Of course, the articles, tools, uh, the guide for the Debbie guide just dropped today. So if you're an NIL member, please go check that out. Um, it should be in your email. Look for your spam. I was told to check that out just to make sure if you don't find it there. If not, just contact one of us at Campus of Canton. We'll try to get you squared away and try to get it to you one way or the other. So please go check that out. But we have a sweet guy coming out that's up next, and that's for us, Jared. Do you want to talk yes, about what they can expect a little bit, just a sneak, sneak peek of what the CFF guide might have in store for 2023? Yeah, and no personal bias here whatsoever, but the CFF guide is the best guide we put out there. Guys, it is oh, an incredible, course. incredible resource for you guys to have. Whether you're playing CFF Dynasty, CFF Redraft, or your Campus Canton Leagues, it is a must-own for you to have. Breaks down all 133 teams, gives you depth charts, gives you who to know, who to target in every offense, and then it breaks down the players, and then we have a ton of great little additions that come in after that. Things like ADP breakdowns, things like um, some systems knowledge. Again, we, we tend to add some stuff towards the back that really make it worthwhile for you. Only 20 bucks comes out 4th of July weekend. Plenty of time for you to dive into it before your seasons get started so yeah absolutely cff guide probably one of the best products we put out on the website and quite frankly you should go out of your way to make sure that you own a copy for this year i believe it and i think it should have won an award that's how good it was whatever it's the uh, fantasy sports whatever the fswa ga whatever it's called we should have got an award 
There we go. Or we'll just take a Grammy, whatever. Um, but <laughs> definitely go check that out. Of course, we have all the different memberships that you can do. Like I said, recommend the NIL just because you get all the guides. And it's not too expensive to have it for the entire year. Also, plenty, plenty of tools. So we got ADP and things like that. They're starting to take shape. Lots of best balls going on. Lots of stuff in the background uh, starting to form. So we're starting to see where you could possibly take these players. So as we get closer to drafts here very soon, especially in Dynasty, Dynasty is going to be a little bit further uh, beforehand. So definitely go check that out over at campstocanton.com. And then real quick before we move on, of course, Price Picks. Jared is an aficionado of the future bets there over at uh, Price Picks. We, of course, you can use the promo code at C2C, and we get the match deposit up to $100, so please go check that out. Uh, Jared, you made some some decent amount of cash over at uh, Price Picks. What do you think about the, the product so far using it? I mean, Price Picks, it, it's it's a fun, easy way to get involved. If if, if you wanted, if you even want to get into the fantasy side of things, but you're kind of too afraid to join a league, it's a great little place to go and kind of try your hand at it. Um, it gives you an idea of like what to expect fantasy wise per player each week. Uh, and you can just have some kind of fun with it. I, I'm not one of those people that'll put a ton of money on per bet. I just like to have fun with it, slowly make my money over time with my bets and everything. Cause quite frankly, I have some weeks where I do really well. I have some weeks where I do absolutely terrible. It is. I'm still kind of getting my feet wet, but it's, it's a little extra thing for you to have on Saturdays that make it a little bit more interesting. Yep, just puts a little bit more stock in the game if you're not playing DFS or if all your players are not playing until out on the, the action or you're playing Pac-12 at night, things like that. It's just a cool thing exactly. to cheer on a different team. So definitely go check it out. Use that promo code C2C. All right, Jared, let's get started and let's start. Before we start, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I, 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 I peek behind the curtain here. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't told you this yet, but I want I want I want to throw this out there and everything. Okay. You, I've been thrown off twice before coming on to this episode because you okay. talked with quarterbacks last week with I did. Austin. And quite frankly, Brandon, by talking about wide receivers today, we are breaking one of the 10 commandments of fantasy football content. And that is Ooh. thou shalt talk about thine players in the order of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. But now mm-hmm. we're going wide receivers before tight ends, sir. Yes. I don't know about that. I feel like we're going to make the fantasy football gods mad by doing this. Uh, just, and then. Yeah, go, go for ahead. it. No, no, no I was just ahead. saying, I just want to throw them off. I got to get the scent off. You know, we just got to sneak attack them and just get these guys out there. And by boom, these are the guys you need to check out. So boom, wide receivers here. Is it going to be running back? Is it going to be tight end next week? You're going to have to tune in to find out. It's going to be running back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I doubt, Brandon, you're going to do a whole show on tight ends. Um, Maybe. The other thing that threw me off was I'm like, okay, wide receivers, that's great. I love the guys going to Ohio State this year. Like, I love Tate, love Ennis, can't wait to break them down. You're like, yeah, we're not talking about those guys either because we're going to do a different show on them. And I'm just like, Brandon, come on, bro. There's so many. There's so many. There's so there many. Is, Who better so, than, so than Mr. Matt Bruning to just break it all down in Ohio State, right? So <laughs> I think that'll be a one for the ages for sure. But that yeah. makes it a little bit easier because now we can kind of put these guys in a little bit of an order of course i use on three consensus you may use 24 7 and things like that that's more than okay as long as you're not using espn don't do that um can i ask you brandon you sure. were big on 247 last year now i see you're I big was. on on three this year what what mm. what made you change 
I like these questions. Um, on three with the consensus part. So making sure that they give everything. So on three, 24-7, ESPN, and uh, Rivals as well. So they're able to kind of correlate that, give you one set number, so like a medium number. And then from there, uh, which I learned actually last week from Austin, that the five-star plus means that every single uh, site that was a recruiting site had them at five stars, which is okay. uh, pretty outstanding. That's harder to do, especially when you have uh, ones like Rivals and ESPN that I, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, say anything terrible, but they might be a little bit more behind compared to 24 seven and on three as far as their recruiting uh, prospecting. But at the same time, when you can see all of them are actually agreeing on one player, that's usually a telltale sign that something's going right. Um, even though we discussed some things uh, about a certain quarterbacks that were like, maybe five star plus maybe right at five stars and then guys that didn't have a plus that were like that probably should have had a plus beside it so definitely mm -hmm. definitely interesting for sure so that's why i kind of chose on three and so that's why you know if you guys are watching on youtube or even if you're listening when i say on three consensus that means all of the websites together into one number so with that being said let's start with their cream of the crop their very first one and that's the guy that was on the cover Mr. Zachariah Branch on three consensus 99.16. He is a five star plus and he has committed to USC. Now, Jared, of course, USC it has a uh, has a plethora of wide receivers, I'd say. But there's something special about Zachariah Branch. And I think that uh, if we talked about um, if we talked about Austin's zero uh, wide receiver zero type situation as far as like him not being able to produce at all, I don't think that's ever going to be the case at all. For example, I think he could return a punt for a touchdown real quick. I think he could kick return. I think he could catch more than 100 yards in one game. It's very much capable in this Lincoln-Riley system. When you first saw Zachary Branch or just heard about him or just were able to kind of look at him, what was your initial thoughts on Branch and the fit at USC? That's what I wanted to, to know about you first. So he was always going to be one of my top three wide receivers for CFF Dynasty uh purposes um that's kind of how i view a lot of these guys through a lens of and really he is now my wide receiver one for this class and what has pushed him up there is really all this buzz is becoming out of spring camp brandon you mentioned the plethora of good options they have at wide receiver there over at usc between your mario williams your taj washington's your brendan rice your dorian singers your michael jackson's all of those guys over there it makes it all the more impressive that branch has consistently been said to be standing out amongst all of them. Now, I don't think we should be super surprised. Again, you're talking about the number one wide receiver, this class, number four overall. This is the highest rated wide receiver that Lincoln Riley has ever had, which is very impressive considering the recruiting, the recruitment of wide receiver that he's had over the years. So, again, the fact that he's standing out, and quite frankly, it sounds like he might be pushing for a starting role almost immediately puts him right up to the top of the wide receivers that I will be aiming for. I think that's the only, again, I like the guys like Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate. Those are my wide receivers two and three. If I remember correctly, yes, Tate and Ennis are my wide receivers two and three for CFF dynasty, just because of how much we know the Ohio state um, does with their wide receivers, but branch having that immediate impact as a freshman on a offense, as good as Lincoln Riley's. Yeah, this is easily, easily the top guy for this year. So if I told you that Zachary Branch's comparison is Jalen Waddle, would that make you even more excited about Mr. Branch at USC? Do you think that fits his mold as far as how he's so ability to change direction so fast? He's a track star. He holds the records uh, as far as his long jump and 200 meter. Does that excite you 
and you think that shows on film because I definitely see it for sure. Sparta, especially the speed for sure. Of course, like, of course, that makes me excited. Again, Jalen Waddle <laughs> is a monster at Alabama. Again, his two four seven comp is Tyreek Hill. I'm always a little hesitant yeah. whenever somebody yeah, puts but Tyreek Hill, but at the same time, like. Look at his other athletic comps that we have at C to C. His top two, Jaden McGowan, Tyler Scott, two more just really speed, take the top off defense kind of guys. You put him in an offense with a guy like Caleb Williams, Malachi Nelson coming in behind him and everything. Branch is going to flourish over the next couple of years. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. Again, how much more on board can I be, Brandon? He's my wide receiver one in this upcoming class. Exactly. I just wanted to put the little, you know, the sprinkles on top of the cake that this this is by far the one, the one on one as far as overall wide receivers. So now let me ask you now that we are both high on on Zachariah Branch. We talked about the quarterbacks last week. Uh, we don't we won't have to say when our actual picks are on our actual dynasty teams and stuff like that. But let's give an example. We'll play a little game. If he was uh, if you had between the one one and say the one four. How much are you likely to take Branch over, say, some of the five quarterbacks we talked about last week, the top that you see in the class on uh, on the on three consensus, for example? So it's it, it always depends on what to me, at least with that first initial pick. A lot of times it really does boil down to what your team is. Mm, but, I really like the quarterback class here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to push the wide receivers down just a little bit, especially if there's there's four QBs. I really, really like this year. Yeah. So I, I, those per, to me are probably your top four. Cedric Baxter definitely gets put in there mm-hmm. at some point. It, Cause to me, he might be it again, depending on my team, but like he might be my one oh one because of just how quickly running back dries up from the freshman this year. And he just stands out so much from the others. I would say probably not in the top four, but easily within like one Oh six. I he's off the board for me by that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll play the game. Say if in you a had only draft, it depends right, on your guys. Let's just say supplemental. Would you, uh, is there anyone over branch that you would take almost immediately as far as like maybe a veteran? Is there anyone off the top of your head without having to create a list or anything like that? Uh, nothing that comes to mind again. I'd have to really look at like who's available in most leagues. Uh, so we'll, we'll just talk freshman only today. Yeah, for sure. So definitely, I would say um, branches at the top of my list. I mean, yes, it's about team needs. So definitely focus on that. But it's hard when you have like a best available situation, because a lot of the first round, like we discussed last year in the mock draft, is sometimes it's just best available in in the first round, regardless of the makeup of your league, just because you're looking for game changers. And a lot of these guys in the first round will be game changers or will be probably the year after, basically. So what we're saying is branch is very high on priority. Um, if you have one of the higher ones between the 101 and the 105, definitely consider Zachariah Branch as your choice. If you have to take quarterback, we completely understand. But if you're not lacking, he's the guy to, to change the game for you and could definitely be starting as soon as maybe in a few games. We're not even sure yet, but the summer is coming up, so we'll definitely uh, retrace that when we probably do a mock draft. By then, he might be uh, the quintessential 101. So, Yeah, we'll definitely see. Yep, so we're going to move on. And this guy actually was an athlete that's on the on three one, but he is uh, tailored to play at wide receiver. So it's Nichols Harbor. Of course, he has committed to South Carolina on three consensus 97.53. He is a five star, meaning that someone said that he was a four star. Not going to name any names, but <laughs> Nichols Harbor. Was it is rivals? Ad- I bet it was rivals. Uh, maybe or ES. Anyway, I'll let you uh, finish the rest of that. Um, so the cool thing about Nico's Harbor is he's the ultimate athlete is what they put on there. He plays both 
football both ways. So he plays, he played defense. He can track down a, a quarterback as fast as lightning, but he also can catch a massive amount of catches and uh, definitely just jump over people and kind of catch and stuff like that as well. Um, cool thing about it is that he's got smarts. Smarts runs as a family. It's something I found, Jared. His dad works for NASA. His mother is a pharmacist and his sister is a graduate of Penn State, which, you know, is not it's not easy to do. So yeah. needless to say that smarts run is his family. And so with a smart comparison, he has a 3.8 GPA coming out of high school. So a very smart kid. He definitely wants to kind of do something uh, other than just that one. I've heard maybe engineering as far as what he wants to agree. And so you being in that kind of field, that uh, that's pretty interesting that he could go to the NFL or he can just be an engineer later in life, whatever that he wants to do. So I found that very, very amazing. Uh, and then the biggest comp, of course, because of his size and stature is DK Metcalf. And so little different because Metcalf, I think, had uh, a little bit trouble at first at Ole Miss. Like when he would play there alongside A.J. Brown, he really had the go route and he had, you know, the kind of flank over to the side, catch off the, uh, you know, the sideline on the hashes and then get out of bounds type situation. So whereas Nichols Harbor has the agility and speed as well as the athleticism to kind of tailor, the, although he's raw coming from both playing, you know, both a defensive back or linebacker and playing wide receiver. So what was your initial thoughts of Nico Harbor, especially when he decided that he was probably going to play wide receiver at South Carolina? Let's see. That was about to say that the good, there's some good news and bad news with right. Harbor. This is, I would say definitely among the people we're going to talk about today. This is the one I'm most hesitant about the good news. He's going to play offense more than likely. That's where it seems like everything's kind of pointing towards. So that's good. The bad news is, or uh, again, also good news. He is a, Again, we usually do the big fish, small pond thing. Here is a case where you have a gigantic fish in a medium-sized pond. So it's still kind of the same effect, even though it's a bigger school like South Carolina. They don't get offensive weapons like this, especially on the recruiting side. So you like to see that. He's going to stand out almost immediately. The bad news is I just don't trust this staff at all right now. We saw the treatment of another Uber athlete last year in Jaheim Bell, and they just didn't seem to really know what they wanted to do with him on a week-by-week basis. And again, maybe they've learned their lessons, and Harper's going to have a better outlook here. But the problem is they lose Marcus Satterfield to Nebraska. You might be celebrating there. I really don't like this new offensive coordinator hire they brought in with Dow Logains. He was the tight ends coach at Arkansas, but... Before that, he spent four years in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Brandon, I'm about to read off to you the points per game of the wide receiver in Logan's offense at the NFL level. Are you ready? Are you prepared for I, this? I'm ready. My body is ready. Go for it. 2016, 10.41, 6.06, 6.2, 9.89. And you might be saying like, oh, Jared, but Harbor might have some tight end eligibility. Like they're going to use him as a tight end. Well, let's see how Logan's has done with tight ends in the past. 9.61, 5. <laughs> 5.7, 5. 1.95, oh. and 6.08. It's perfectly possible for an offensive coordinator to come in, especially down to South Carolina level, run a pro offense. Maybe he has a little bit more success at the college level than he does at the pro level. It's possible. I'm just saying there's a ton, and I mean a ton of risk here. And I personally am probably not going to have any shares of Nicole Harper's 
in any of my leagues because I think there's going to be somebody who's in love with him, and I'm probably not going to have any of him. I have him down as my wide receiver. Where is he at? Uh, wide receiver 16. So I might be that might be a little harsh and everything given his athleticism, but there's guys in better systems that I like. I'll take the shot on more than him. Nope, you completely shot down my my defensive Mr. Harbor as far as possibly being playing some spots at tight end. South Carolina is they're getting kind of cute and but not necessarily in a good way, if that makes sense. Like they just need to they just kept him on the outside and just made him a DK Metcalf type of guy. I would be much more excited. So uh but I'm, now I'm I'm kind of agreeing with you, man. I, I was really high on Harbor, but now I'm just like but the problem and the problem is like you might say like oh he'll make it, make an immediate impact at tight end well they just brought in Trey Knox and Trey Knox it sounds like is doing really well for them and like oh then yep. he can he can be their number one wide receiver no he's not Antoine Wells is mm. still kicking around like yep you're already probably gonna have to wait a year on this guy even though he is a uber athlete he's gonna have to settle into the system and who knows maybe he gets a new offensive coordinator year or two that might boost him up maybe he transfers after a year because they're not utilizing him well. That's just so many unknowns, and there's so many guys that I think you can take before him that make more sense and give you a lot less risk. That was going to be my next question is maybe he transfers out. Would that change anything for you, or does that scare you off because you don't know the system that he's going to, right? That's what that's what I was going to say. It's, it's a, just another mystery box. Exactly. All right, so now that we know that harbors uh i'm actually curious what is the uh what was the players that you listed off i'm i'm curious now that they're in the in the nfl i want to know what do you mean what the ones that you did with the fantasy points i want to know the uh do you got the names for those players oh um one of them the 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 1.95 was um uh mike gasecki so i'll I'll say that oh man i have him in um, he's on the patriots i I should i i you know as i was (laughs) writing this down i knew i should have written down the names um it's okay i I can't look it up real quickly but sorry about that Uh, oh you're good i if i remember correctly most of them weren't great to be fair but they were also Mm. pretty abysmal like just as an offense in general so yeah we'll see um and but again if you like harbor and you just are in love with athletic guys again 247 comps him to Kyle Pitts. Our athletic right. comp has him compared to Calvin freaking Johnson. Okay, y'all. Okay, like, it strong. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to be excited about there. So if that is your strategy, is just grab those uber athletic guys that are going to out-athlete everybody on the field and hope they can stand out that way. Yeah, take your shot on Harbor. I'm a systems guy. I don't like the system here. Even though I like the athlete, I'm passing. There we go. So now that he is, I know that he's your wide receiver 16. I'm thinking maybe you take a shot at round two, or would you completely pass in general and take a supplemental guy, or would you take a running back in the third, maybe a Mr. Damian Henderson kind of moves up your board? Wide receiver 16 and a supplemental, you're probably looking, for me, that's like round four or five. I was going to say round four or five. Would you take him, or would you just completely pass? Right around him, I'd probably take the shot on him. He's right next to another guy, another Uber athlete that I like that's not in a system that I love, so – and we'll talk about him in a second here, but I think I think I would be convinced enough in the fourth or fifth round to you know just take the shot on an Uber athlete if he was somehow there. It's just I don't think he's going to be there. Somebody else is going to fall in love with him before I do. And one more thing, we'll move on to the next one. So say we do the passing of the guard. No more Spencer Rattler. Lenore Sellers comes up and becomes the quarterback. Does that change anything for you at all? Not really. Again, okay. I like Lenore Sellers, but I, it's yeah. just I don't I. I don't know what Lenore Sellers really prefers when it comes to his game. 
Like, does he like yeah. passing to wide receivers? Does he like the tight ends? Is he a deep ball guy? I'm not really sure yet. I haven't really looked into the sellers that deeply yet. Me neither, other than the spring game, which I was just stoked about. So, <laughs> needs to say, keep him on your radar. Put a little star beside him. But Nico's Harbor, Jared saying fourth or fifth round. Uh, if he's compared to Megatron and DK Metcalf, that would be hard for me to pass up in the third. I'm not going to lie. So that's kind of where Fair we enough. both sit on the on Harbor. So let's move on. And that is Mr. Jerry on Dickey, who uh, we had the interview with, I believe Austin and uh, I believe it was Austin that had the interview with Mr. Dickey there, who has committed to Oregon. He is on three consists 97.30 and a five-star prospect as well. Jerry on Dickey compares to the counterpart of one, DK Metcalf, and that's Mr. A.J. Brown. And if you compare to A.J. Brown, I'm immediately interested. Do you know why they compare him to A.J. Brown, Jared? Have you been able to take a look at Mr. Dickey's tape yet? Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were leading up to like me to ask you, like, why, Brandon? Why is he compared to A.J. Brown? No, but uh, what? <laughs> but here, I'll go ahead and say it since I'm already here. Um, it's uh, both. They're both physical. And they both like to go and attack the ball, and they have a very well-rounded skill set, which means that Dickey doesn't have a lot of holes in his game. He's still younger, so there's still development there as well. But his radius is the biggest thing, is that if you put the ball near him, his hands are going to find it, and that's pretty good, especially with a guy like uh, an Austin Novastad that's coming in, or if he even gets some play. I, I don't know. It's looking like we have at least two wide receivers there, Oregon, currently that you could probably throw the ball to. He would probably be wide receiver three if we had to really guess right now. But it's talking about next year because, you know, this is Dynasty. Um, he's a guy with Novasad that I really see as a good pairing. Um, and even when it was going to be Dante Moore, I was extremely interested in Jerion Dickey. It really didn't, uh, you know, come down too much for me personally, but I want to get your take as far as, uh, you know, Oregon, that system, Bo Nix leaving after this year, I, we think. I think he's out of eligibility finally. So <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on Dickey and Oregon as a whole and what you think he could do for the for the Ducks? Yeah, so Dickey and my, again, uh, admittedly too early wide receiver rankings for freshmen. I'm still kind of tinkering around with it. He's my wide receiver five. I really like Dickey coming into this year. I like this is gonna sound so hypocritical considering how I just talked about Harbor, but I do like guys that walk on and immediately they're likely the best player at the position on the field. Oregon has some talented wide receivers. I think Dickey might be better than all of them, including mm -hmm. one Mr. Troy Franklin. I think he has a higher upside than mm -hmm. Troy Franklin. So definitely like that. And like you said, I think there's a possibility. Again, the the, the thing that that holds me back just a little bit is the fact that he is not an early enrollee. If he was there during the spring. I would pro I would would like to have had a better gauge, or I would have had a better gauge as to where he stands compared to everybody else right now. But as of now, I'll let the hype get out of the way or get in the way of my reasoning and think that yeah, he could easily become a starting wide receiver just with a fall camp, if not down the line for the Ducks. The other part of this is, man, I really like this Will Stein hire at offensive coordinator. We saw what Will Stein was able to do in. UTSA, multiple wide receivers relevant there. Obviously, you got Franklin, you got Clark, you got Cephas as well. I mean, you were just bemoaning the fact that Dickey might be at best wide receiver three for Oregon this year. That was incredible for UTSA last year. I mean, Clark was easily a relevant wide receiver through several weeks of the season. So if you can get a guy in your freshman drafts who could be relevant in year one, or at least maybe if not four or five games of the season, that's a that's a great pick in the first round. So I definitely like Dickey this year. 
I did too. And like like I said, it starts at wide receiver three, but I, I'm with you. The talent is there. Um, and I think he could probably move up to wide receiver two fairly easily, if I'm being honest with you. And I think possibly did, by the end it, of the year, he could probably be a redraft waiver wire guy. It really depends on how much we're overrating this nepotism connection between possibly. Bo Nix and Tess Johnson. But I mean, Tess Johnson looked good in the spring game, so I'm not going to knock him. Well, we've learned that nepotism, roommates, uh, girlfriends, all of that, it matters in CFF, so we have to pay attention to that. And the spring game's looking good. Like you said, Dickie's coming in in the summertime, so he has to play a little bit of catch-up. But when you walk on campus and you immediately are like considered the next coming of wide receiver one at Oregon, that's a big deal. So we definitely need to pay attention to Mr. Dickey as he uh, comes into uh, into Oregon. So one thing real quick, Brandon, sorry, I just yeah. noticed this on my notes and everything. Again, I was just talking about Will Stein, what he did at UTSA. Do you know what, what, what one of the top two athletic comps that C2C has for Jerry and Dickey? Let's hear him. DeCorey and Clark. There we go. So like, again, boom, right there. You got, you got, a, a, you got a, a guy with a similar athletic skill set, probably even a better athlete than Clark, if I'm being real. I mean, Stein yeah. knows how to utilize one of those guys. So boom. Even more reason to be hyped. All right. So we got Dickie in, in a freshman draft. I'm assuming he's probably going first round. It would be very hard for him to even come out. I know the quarterbacks are there, the running backs are there. So it might move him to the end of the round. But what are you what are you comfortable taking, Dickie? Would you say 108, 107? Would you save the turn? What, what's your thoughts there? Uh, um, God, I love these Ohio State wide receivers. And another guy we'll yes. talk about here in a second. So, like, again, if you're assuming the first five picks are four quarterbacks and running back and then and, and Baxter – then you have Branch come off. You got Tay Ennis. I imagine those are guys that will probably go ahead of them. So mm-hmm. now you're looking at 108. I'd say there's another wide receiver I'd have ahead of him there. Arch probably goes off in there at some point as well. So I'm thinking right. Dickey probably go. You're probably looking at him right around that kind of 108 to anywhere to the end of the first round. I think that's one great value at that point. And if you can somehow get him to come back to you in the second round, especially when you have supplemental players kind of put in there, I think that's a great start. Again, if you grab a supplemental guy and then start with your first freshman off the board is Dickey in the second round. That is that. a nice one-two pairing. I really do like that. Yeah, if you could get him on the turn at 201 or 202 and say if it's a linear draft too and you're not doing a snake, like that's oh, yeah. that's impressive. Um, so needless to say, like I said, the first and the second first round is definitely more like uh you know best available things like that. But even in 201, I'd say 201 to 206, it's still probably like a uh best available type situation because it's just hard to pass up because one this year there's just so much talent that's coming that's at the top of the, the class that it's hard to you know the for them to come oh, stay on the first I, unless you have like a 25 for team league or something weird like that. You know, it's got if you've got 14 or under like you're gonna catch most of these guys first maybe the beginning second. Yeah. And again like it's especially a wide receiver and quarterback definitely positions to load up on this year at freshman if you can. Yep, absolutely. So let's move on to our next guy, and that is Mr. Jonte Cook the second, a man of myth and legend, Jared, I must say. Yes, sir. This guy is – he's absolutely amazing. He comes from the top high school in Texas there at uh, DeSoto, uh, and then he's uh, over 1,496 yards and 20 touchdowns in his sophomore and junior seasons. Uh, he's done a special team star. So he has returned – every time he's returned something, it's been over 15 yards. So even if Jonte Cook, which I believe could probably even start this year, if I'm being very honest with you, 
Uh, he's not going to be a year one wide receiver because if they're going to use him for special teams alone, he'll wind up running it back for past the 20 yard line, probably nine out of 10 times and putting Texas in a pretty good field advantage. So that's really good as well. And uh, he's a, an amazing route runner. He gets open a lot. And that's what I like. I like a guy that can get out and open. So uh, I didn't like his comparison on on three. It says Nelson Aguilar. And that puts a bad taste in my mouth currently because of how Nelson Aguilar is currently. But in 2015, when Aguilar came out, they have very similar as far as large cast radiuses, getting open, really good route running and stuff like that. And then at one time, even Jonte Cook in high school threw a 99-yard touchdown. Yes, you heard that right. The man can pass. The man can catch. The man runs track. Um, and he's done it all. So I'm a big, big fan of Jonte Cook. He is an on-three consistent 97.23. He's a five-star. He did commit to Texas. So he's right there in the same class as Arch. So that sets up for a beautiful future. Uh, even if he gets this year, he gets Quinn Ewers. So what are your thoughts on Jonte Cook? I, I see that you're probably as hyped on him as I am already as well. Yeah, so he's my wide receiver for, for my freshman dynasty. Again, to me, the top, I would say your top four guys at Branch, Tate, Ennis, Cook, those are my tier one wide receivers for freshmen this year. Again, Dickey, Lemon, they're close. They're like kind of in their own like 1B tier. But man, Cook is absolutely should be at the top of all of your lists. By the way, you were besmirching the name of Nelson Aguilar for a good reason in the NFL. But in college, again, final year at USC, 104 receptions, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. Give me that right. all day right. long. And wait, hold on. Actually, give so me say, one The CFF version of Nelson Aguilar was fantastic. It's just he never uh, panned out in the league as much as we thought he was what going What year to. was Steve Sarkeesian head coach of us holy crap is that Dude, the year that was the year steve sarkeesian okay. and now you got a now you got nelson aguilar's apparent clone according to on three heading over to see sarkeesian over there at texas uh -oh. this is about to be some serious fun y'all again he's got a lot of things that i really like here again early enrollee love to see that already playing second team currently playing on the boundary but we can see we've seen he can play inside or in the slot, and that's going to get him on the yep. field even sooner because I'm worried about him being able to overtake, you know, obviously Xavier Worthy's the man, but you got A.D. Mitchell there as well, who I also right. think is the man. So you got Jordan Whittington, the veteran presence there in the slot, but man, Cook's going to be hard to keep off the field just based on everything that we have been hearing. So if he's willing to kind of move into the slot at least for one year to see if A.D. or Worthy leaves after this year, he could be, he's another guy who could be an immediate, immediate impact here. And like I said, I think he's going to be super, super hard to get off the field. Again, another things I like, again, love seeing Texas 6A athletes going on here, dual sport athlete. Again, that's really, you want to talk about cream of the crop. That's just cream of the crop high school players right there. If you can stand out there, you're going to do extremely, extremely well in college. Quite frankly, I'm almost talking to myself into even moving him up past some of the Ohio State guys because I'm getting myself. Maybe at least one, maybe not Tate, I, but maybe Ennis. I, I again, I need to see more out of Ennis again. Unfortunately, Ennis not an early enrollee, so we didn't get to see right, him go on there. But man, Cook, I you take him in the first round. If you, really, I I don't think it's I don't think it's super. Again, I think he's one oh six after that. But mm. I'm not mad at you if you're really that high on him. If you take him anywhere in the first round, Absolutely. if he's still there after the first round, you're getting a steal. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't know if there's any way he could pass the first, but if there's somehow that he sits on the board at 201 or 202, just smash it as hard as you could possibly go. Um, I do want to bring up that I, if we're looking at Jonte Cook, 
I think he automatically passes Isaiah Nayor. I know Nayor we were big on, but the injury and all that stuff. I don't know if Nayor is really going to live out to what we thought he was as a transfer. And I think that he could probably pass Whittington fairly quickly, even as far as just overall talent, if we're talking overall. It's going to be hard to, if he moves, like I said, if he can move in the slot or just return kicks, he's immediately going to be on the field nonstop. And that's just going to mm-hmm. put Sarkeesian in a spot where he sees his Nes- Nelson Aguilar and I'm just like, okay, this guy is going to play my slot this year. Next year, he's going to play wide out and he's going to destroy people. So definitely excited about Jonte Cook. Even if I had like a 104, 105, it'd be very hard for me not to want to take Jonte Cook. I'm not going to lie to you. He's a. Uh, he intrigues me almost to the point of a Zachariah Branch intriguing. Like I, I have Branch one, Cook is two for me. Um, so I definitely like the the combo, and I know people will kind of change it. And I, I don't mind, you know, it's Ohio State, so I get it with the Carnell Tate. But man, Jonte Cook is something special. Just Cook if you look does at him, look really, really good. It, and it, he's been getting praise all of spring camp over there from Texas. Again, like I said, we've got a ton of talented wide receivers already in that room. If you can stand out mm-hmm. there you're doing really, really well for yourself. Like I, if, if you're talking about a wide receiver needy team and you're early in your freshman drafts, I could understand you taking cook over even some of the top quarterbacks. It is. He's, yep. he's that impressive of a guy. Yep. I would definitely take cook over a guy like a Jackson Arnold, even, you know, things like that. Particularly there's some quarterbacks you just are not going to take over. Yeah, It'd like, be very hard to pass up on Dante Moore or, you know, Malachi Nelson, those guys, or even Nico sometimes. But for me, I'd take cook over Nico if I had to really choose between the two. So. Yeah, fair enough. Again, like I, I think it's definitely fair to put him over Arnold. Again, I do have Arnold in my top four QBs this year, but like mm-hmm. cook's going to be a more of an immediate impact. Now Arnold is also one Dylan Gil- Dylan Gabriel injury away from probably being an immediate yep. impact for you this year. But even so, Cook doesn't need that injury. I think I think Cook can work his way onto the field as a freshman cause, just because he's that good. Exactly. So now that you know the love of Cook, you decide depending on what your draft looks like. But we wanted to put the name out there. If you haven't heard already, now you know. Definitely look into Jonte Cook the second. Yeah, so I, let's moved, move I, I, I moved Cook up to wide receiver Did three. You? Well, all right, there we go. In this for right now, and it, I'm, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna regret that later. But again, I'll, I'll put him ahead no, of Ennis. Right always now. change it back. That's the beauty of that. It's way too early. Again, all anyways, four of those guys feel like they're, they're such good investments. Exactly, and we're still like a couple months away from most freshmen and supplemental drafts, so we got some time to tweak and stuff with that for sure. Fair point. But let's, so let's move on to Mr. Hakeem Williams. He's on three consensus, ninety-seven point one three. He is a four-star. Um, which means that a couple of uh, spots had him as a four-star versus a five-star in particular. He has committed to Florida State. So when you think of a Florida State, uh, you think currently right now, you're like wide receivers, they're all right. But really, you like Jordan Davis. You like the run game at Florida State. Um, but there's potential. Jordan Travis? Yes, sorry. I meant Jordan Travis, Florida State. My bad. I get the names wrong. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, Jordan, Jordan Travis Davis had... and Jordan Travis, two very different players. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> I probably have way too much NFL draft and things like that in my brain. But anyway, uh, yes, Mr. Jordan Travis of Florida State, he's currently there, but he might be moving on after the end of this year. So Hakeem Williams, he's six foot two and a half. He's 195 pounds. And what you know, Jared, you know what his comparison is, and you're gonna like this. Oh no, I see two, I I see I've seen his two four seven comp, I've seen his C to C athletic comp, and I think and I know the, the name you're about to let me hear the on three. Let's see if all three of these guys agree. It is Mr. George. Pickens, who has gone to Georgia, I might add. So not not the name that I was expecting, but you know what? I like it. 
But as I say, you might like that. It's currently George Pickens absolutely destroying it over there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Definitely setting himself apart. He might even surpass Dante, Deontay Johnson as far as wide receiver one in Pittsburgh with Mr. Kenny Pickett. But George Pickens has very sticky hands. He's acrobatic. He was able to kind of have contested catch uh, you know, things where if you put the ball near him, and we've seen it even in Pittsburgh, where he'll just go up and put it even with one hand. If he has to pull an OBJ, that's what George Pickens will do. Hakeem Williams very much similar as far as like his high school film and where he's going to line up is he's got a big catch radius because of how tall he is and he's got some weight to him 195 pounds so he's not too far away from that 200 pound marker things that we like to see to go along with his two and he's a physical physical style of play when they uh, were comping him they said that he plays like a bully mentality when it comes to wide receivers so he's not afraid which the only thing i'd probably Bacon's like Exactly. But I would say the more I'm the only concern I does have is that you don't want a lot of offensive calls against your team. So I don't want him to be so much of a bully that he has offensive calls on him. But I don't I think and you could get away with that. It's the fine, ACC. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, if the SEC could get away from it, I'm pretty sure you could get, with it, uh, get away with it in the ACC too. Um, so Hiking Williams definitely comps out to that as well. Physical style, like I said, bully mentality. And his catch point radius, if you can at least high point it to him or get it over there, he's going to tower over most of his defenders. And he's playing in the ACC where uh, defense is optional. Just ask North Carolina. So basically, <laughs> so basically saying all that, and now that I gave you the George Pickens ones, I'm interested on the comps that you saw and then what you saw uh, High Kim Williams just in the first glance already. Yeah, so do you know who both 247 and C2C, our athletic comparison tool, compare him to? They both agree on this, which is something I found fascinating. And it's it's a big player. This is not, this is usually one of those things where like I see this comp and I'm like, oh, okay, like you're just trying to hype this kid up. But again, our athletic comp tool is also agreeing here. I think it is something to keep an eye on. They compare him to Julio Jones, which Ooh, I think well, I like also pushes kind of that same idea of like with George Pickens. You're talking about not a guy that is, again, who can get separation, but they win at the catch point. They win their one-on-ones. They're super acrobatic, super athletic. They are guys that just know how to win on every single snap. And it's something I love to see in wide receivers for a long time hiking Williams was rumored to go to Georgia so he is one of the ones I'm a little bit more familiar with because I was watching his game once again the rumor started up that he might be leaning towards Georgia obviously that didn't happen here but like I said I agree with you there was a lot of pickings that I saw there and I again I see where people are getting the Julio Jones comp as well my big problem and you know me I'm a systems guy I, was gonna I ask don't you. I don't know what's going on with Florida State and there is quite a few questions to be answered here. I think they're going to be a better offense this year. Johnny Wilson will probably give us a really good idea of how they're going to use Hikey Williams here in the future. Because Johnny Wilson, another big, tall dude, another guy that just has to win his one-on-one. So you think Hikey Williams will probably fit that mold, especially if Wilson does go off to the NFL. Here's the big problem. Hikey Williams probably waiting on him a year regardless, because I don't know if he makes it onto the field as a freshman 4-4 to say, at least not in a huge role. Jordan Travis, like you said, Brandon, he's probably gone after this year. What does Florida State have behind them? Does he? Do they bring in a transfer? I don't really believe in really any of their quarterbacks they have behind Jordan Travis. Maybe I need to familiarize myself with them a, a little bit more. But here's the up. Here's the here's the happy side of it, and why I'm a little bit more willing to invest in a guy like Hakeem Williams and say like a guy like Nicole Harbors. I don't think Hakeem Williams will be afraid to transfer in year two, if he doesn't like the quarterback situation. Again, I followed his recruitment. This was a NIL focused 
recruitment. He like I'm not gonna say it was the sole reason why he went to FSU. Obviously, like there's tons of reasons to go anywhere, but at the same time, it was something that was heavily talked about during his recruitment. So I think he is definitely. I don't want to say he has a lack of loyalty to the Seminoles, but I don't think after one year, if he truly doesn't like where the program's heading into, and especially in terms of who's throwing him the ball, I could see him leaving for greener pastures and given a guy of his talent, I think he could land in some really, really fun spots. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be smirched the, the, the recruiting behind Jordan Travis per se, but I definitely think Florida state is in the running for a transfer quarterback. And if they can still open up that NIL purse, like they did for Hakeem Williams, I think they could probably put together a team. Now we saw Texas A&M kind of do similar. Didn't work out in the first year, but their defense, it paid off a little bit. The Texas A&M defense was good, but, but, but the, you know, the news, they got some good pieces, right? Devin Stewart and a few others, right? Well, the good news is, is like you, you, it's kind of a win-win scenario. It's either they get a good quarterback that can get Hakeem the ball, and then you have yep. a good option there, or they don't get a good quarterback, and Hakeem Williams isn't afraid to leave and find greener pastures. From I'm a CMF perspective, I think that's a good thing. And I know uh, the CFF community doesn't want to hear this, but this is a Georgia transfer written all over it, man. I just, I, I see it, man. I, I <laughs> see it. I, as a Georgia fan, I'm going to say no. I don't think oh, so. Oh, for real? Okay. I don't, I personally don't think so. I think that ship has sailed. Okay. Not, so not, any, like, the... not, not, nothing like butting heads or anything like that. I just don't think at the end of the day, like that's where Hakeem wants to go. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I, that's just kind of my vibe on the situation. Do you think that it's more of a, a monk and leaving type situation, or is it just a yeah. new direction you think Georgia's going where they want to, you know, kind of keep the guys they have and kind of go with the boat that they're currently selling? No, you would be surprised how little uh, Monkin was actually involved in the recruiting process. It's actually, actually, it was Bobo that was more involved with them and everything. So we're going to see how that works out over the next year. Interesting. But still, Hakeem Williams, definitely a guy that you could take but still keep on the roster because there might be some movement as far as transfer. Yep. Where are you comfortable taking Hakeem? Uh, say if you had to put him against that one, there's like a one or two tight ends that we're not mentioning. One, I don't want anything to do with uh, that waited forever to pick a decision. Uh, so I'll be avoiding him, but there's a couple other ones that are decent, but mainly it's the running backs and the quarterbacks that you have to contest with and all these fancy wide receivers we've been talking about and one left to go before we talk about honorable mentions. But where are you comfortable taking Hakeem as far as the draft? is the second third fourth what are you feeling so as we're talking about it, i'm looking at him where he's at on my rankings i'm probably going to move him up just a little bit because again I, I i realize this is a better situation that i've been kind of giving it credit for even though again i'm not sure how to feel about the seminal system over the next couple of years i think again it's the the dice are rolling in a way that could help out hakeem williams no matter really what happens but i still think he's somebody that i wouldn't take in the first round you're probably, in my opinion, looking at a guy here because of the questions of the system. How how quickly can he get on the field? Because we don't know how quickly he can get on the field. He's another one that wasn't in a uh, early enrollee, from what I could tell. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I'm pretty sure he was not there for Florida State spring. You're probably looking at a guy. I'm looking at like on that two three turn rather than well, not not the turn. I forget. We're not talking snake drafts. Um, definitely somebody in like the later later. Uh, second round and then beginning of the third if he's somehow still there yeah so like 210 to 212 301 302 That's, things like that yeah i was thinking like like two like anywhere after 28 i think i'd be comfortable with them yeah i'm i'm in agreement. i don't know if i'd take him as the higher tier so if you're picking uh in your second round higher if you're one of those teams that get the advantage of that 
probably won't have much of high key wings because I don't think he's going to make it. I mean, you might get lucky. It might be random, uh, especially if you're putting him a supplemental. He could drop to like a fourth or fifth round possibly, which would be a steal and a half. And he's yeah. just one of those guys where like, yes, he might produce this year. He maybe get on, but I think it's Johnny Wilson season basically. So it's just one of those like if you're looking for maybe a wide receiver two at Florida State at you know at the higher end coming out as a freshman, then you take the stab at it. If not, then uh, it might be one of those guys that might be hard to have a lot of shares of just because of the options that we have at that that uh, that position. So, uh, mm-hmm. any last words on Mr. Williams before we move on to another USC wide receiver? I think that's about it. All I got on hiking. Let me check my notes. Yep, that's all I got. All right, so that's Mr. Hakeem Williams, and we're going to move on and to Mr. Makai Lemon. Of course, he's an on-three consensus, 96.80. He is a four-star recruit, and he did commit to USC. When I looked up Makai Lemon, the one thing that stood out, and this is going to be – I don't we, can, we can't call it nepotism. I don't know what it is. Uh, we'll just call it brotherhood. But Makai Lemon and Malachi Nelson have played together since Pop Warner. We're talking like age five and six, like early stages. And when I looked it up, they say that they finish each other's sentences, Jared. That's uh that's big time friendship for me. So that's uh that's one of those things to where it's like, all right, uh, that's awesome. They have a bond, they you know, they hung out all the time. They're probably plenty of sleepovers and plenty of connection there in time to talk strategy and God knows what else. But I also looked up what Lemon was capable of. And so he went a thousand yards and 15 touchdowns after doing 756 yards and nine touchdowns in a spring league. So needless to say, Makai Lemon can get open in, in uh, and often. And his comparison is another USC wide receiver, Mr. Amon Ross St. Brown, currently with the Detroit Lions, but also a USC player. And they both have very physical traits. So they're both the same, same ball skills, and they're very savvy. Um, that's what they said is that Makai makes very good choices as far as how he can come off the line, how he goes up against his defenders, and he makes smarter decisions. Um, so with that in mind, what are your thoughts on Makai? And then we got to talk about Makai branch as the next generation of USC wide receivers and where we see that kind of splitting up basically. So what is your thoughts on limit at first before we move on to the, the comparisons? So I told you already that I put Makai Lemon in the same tier as I put Jerry and Dickey. Again, they're, they're in like that one B tier. I like some of the guys ahead of them a lot more, but I still think Lemon, and like you said, Lemon is set up for a lot of success here. Him and Malachi Nelson basically coming in together with all that chemistry is huge. I actually didn't know that before that, but if that is truly is the case, we've seen that be productive for CFF in the past. So again, He's got great chemistry with Malachi Nelson. I had written down that he was not a spring enrollee, but that actually makes me feel a little bit better about him. The fact that he's coming in with Malachi Nelson and all that history, it definitely kind of solidifies to me, though, that he is not going to be a guy that makes an immediate impact this year. He's a guy that you're drafting as a next year play. So if, again, I think this is a guy that you're probably looking at at the tail end of the first round, maybe early second round. You are grabbing him not as like if you're struggling at wide receiver and you need somebody for this year, I don't think Lemon is one of your guys that you're going to be hitting on here. Does that make sense? Perfect sense, actually. I was going to point out he's that guy that though he's in the summer, it'll be fine. But because 
we have Branch already in and making a big difference. We already have Singer. We already have those guys that are already there and established. Yep. Mario Williams isn't going away as much as people want to say. Will I personally be having a lot of Mario Williams? I had him once last year. That's all I needed to really have. I was done with Mario Williams afterwards because <laughs> he came on strong, and then he just kind of disappeared and just sat on my bench, and I was afraid to drop him and feared that he was going to go off again. So it was just one of those things where it's just like, when is going to be the Mario Williams game, basically? So it's like, but it's not going away. He's going to be there. So, you know, we're thinking – that Makai Lemon's going to come in. He's probably just going to sit down, learn the, the learn the playbook. But I guarantee you, like if there is a bowl game and a lot of these guys are declaring what it is, we're going to see the breakout of Makai Lemon, just like we did say one Josh Downs when he played his bowl game, and a few other guys that we saw where it's like they're not going to play all here. But once the other guys are declaring and there's an open spot, you're really then going to see the difference. And imagine being there all year, right, Jared? And then you have nothing but just reps and practice time with your quarterback that you. Play played since pop warner dude and imagine yeah. just learning the system he doesn't have to rush in like uh, i feel like malachi nelson just wanted the reps and understands that he needs to adapt to the the atmosphere or the speed of the ncaa versus high school football and yep. i think that makai is just going to be able to sit on the sidelines and understand and then practice have malachi nelson have those additional reps and practice to kind of give him a blueprint on how he needs to kind of perform. And then having Lincoln Riley there as a guy that is able to produce wide receivers and quarterbacks like crazy. It's a, it's a nice one, two combo. So for me, yes, you have to set him and forget him, but it's worth it just because I think he's a guy that we need to look at. And next year he's going to be a redraft guy for sure. So here's the other thing about Makai Lemon, and this is where I'm going to downgrade him just a little bit here. We've seen with Lincoln Riley, he is not afraid to go to that transfer portal. Exactly. So Makai Lemon needs to be there and make an immediate impact when he, or he needs to immediately at least stand out to that staff. Like I, when I say impact, I don't mean that he gets on the field and starts right away a la Zachariah Branch. But because he's not doing that, he has to stand out as a backup to that staff. Otherwise, they will not be afraid to go and grab a guy that will, quite frankly, keep Lemon on the bench if he is not going to take that job, at least by year two by the throat. So definitely a little bit of risk right there. I think Zachariah Branch, we talked about that earlier. I don't think you have to worry about with that with him anymore. I think that staff is more than impressed with him. They're not going to look to replace him anytime. Jury is still out on Lemon. So we'll see. All right. So let's let's fast forward to this time next year. So we got Makai Lemon. We got Zachary Branch. We might even have a transfer, you know, on campus other than, you know, the ones that we've currently seen move on basically. So out of those three what do you think that the that the split would be? Do you think that um, that Malachi Nelson could support both Branch and Lemon, or do you think it's going to be one game is going to be this guy, one game is going to be this guy? What are, what's your thoughts as far as what you possibly might think? South, uh, you know, USC could look next year, and as far as the split between Lemon and Branch, it depends. If there's if it's only the two of them really, then it's going to be great for both of them. If you start talking about Malachi consistently spreading it around to four or five different receivers, it becomes very dirty very quickly for all of those guys involved. So I think it's a little too soon to kind of make that judgment call. For sure. So what we're basically getting at is that when he comes on on campus on the summer, just pay attention to the reports. If you start seeing Makai Lemon's name get mentioned, regardless if he's not playing this year, if his if names keeps popping up in reports and then it's a good thing, then that's a good indication that it's a go ahead, stash him on and get ready for next year. Cause it's probably going to be lights out for Mr. Makai Lemon. So he really is. Sorry. I, I don't mean yeah, to go interrupt ahead. you. Um, 
he really is that perfect pick for like a somebody who's at the who went to the CFF Dynasty playoffs last year. They probably got a pretty good team built up for this year. And so they can afford to grab a guy like Lemon at the end of the first round and say like, hey, I got a pretty good team this year. Let me go go ahead and grab a guy that I can stash for this year. And then I'll be fine once a lot of my guys leave and he'll be good to go year two. Great point. I was going to say he would be perfect for a contender, especially if you're picking 112, 111, you know, those guys that exactly. have made the championship or was close to making the championship. And you can afford to sit and wait on him. Uh, and who's to say he doesn't transfer? I know it's the unknown and a checkbox that we can't check, but I, don't, I doubt he's leaving Malachi Nelson. I'm just going to be honest with you just because of that friendship. I don't, I think they're just going to wind up all three years together basically and try to go to the league together. I think that's just that, that type of bond. So Fair enough. keep that in mind when you're looking at Makai Lemon. Well, let's bring up just a couple of uh, guys that we had as far as like just honorable mentions and ones, and then we'll get to the big fish, small pond. I want to bring up a guy that uh, has had some injuries. So he hasn't been, he's been there in spring, but he hasn't practiced. And that's Mr. Malachi Coleman. No, it's not Keon Coleman. Everyone's got to remember the names. Lots of Coleman's that are in there or <laughs> in the actual uh, it's CFF, but he's there at Nebraska. Um, he has a comp to Martavis Bryant, which doesn't make me happy in current times as an XFL player, but at his time at Clemson, Martavis Bryant was an, a pure alien. So as far as what he's capable of, his high points, how long that his arms and stuff is, as far as Malachi Coleman, really good radius. So it's one of those where you can just kind of toss it up and kind of get it to him. We did see, uh, you know, good old Jeff Sims, I, I guess, assured. I don't know if it's a given now, but I think he is now the incumbent quarterback at Nebraska. Now he's that, your um, quarterback so, one at Nebraska. I was going to say, Casey Thompson dipping out into the transfer portal. So with that in mind, do you think when Malachi Coleman is a little bit not banged up, do you think he becomes a wide receiver one i know trey Palmer didn't have a lot of production per se but when he first when he had his games that were there they were pretty impressive games do you think coleman has the capability of a trey palmer or do you think because he's taller maybe a little bit you know slower than trey palmer that he uh he might struggle a little bit in this uh, nebraska offense uh let me look up palmer real quick sure. yeah Paul, palmer was wide receiver 19 last year so like that's, right it, it, if he's trey palmer that's freaking incredible I get it. Trey Palmer's a he's a five star and a little bit smaller, but you know, you know what I'm saying I'm just talking about production in general at Nebraska. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Once again, we're looking at a staff that I don't truly trust. It, mostly with Marcus Satterfield, I think. Again, you're talking about Malachi Col- Coleman, uber athletic guy coming in as a freshman. He showed with Jaheim Bell. He wasn't quite sure what to do with some of those guys, so maybe he's learned some things. I can also fully admit that I haven't delved too deep into Nebraska so far this year, mostly because of all the turnover that they have been seeing. I think that they are going to, they're going to be one of those teams that if they are going to be CFF relevant, you're probably not going to see it this year. You might see it in year two. I definitely need to do a little bit more setting on them. So once again, Malachi Coleman, like you said, very athletic guy, Martavis Bryant comparison. You love to see that. If that is your game and that is who you like to go after, in freshman and supplemental drafts then yeah he's a good pick i imagine he'd probably go on like what the fourth fifth round like i feel like that's where the range he'd probably end up in yeah if you had the ohio state receivers all three even even including noah rogers he's he's probably going to drop to like a fourth or fifth round selection just because of all the talent that's there for sure were you able to yeah, find I, I i have i have i have coleman down a pretty decent way on okay. my receiver rankings Most again mostly because i just don't know what to do in nebraska 
So until I can trust Nebraska, I don't trust Coleman yet. I got you. So the, so that's another guy that was there. So like I said, we took the, away the Ohio State wide receivers for a different episode, but moving them out of the way pushes Coleman up a little bit as far as overall, you know, just on three ranking and things like that. But yeah. I got to pay attention to just because it's hard to find a guy that's a four-star and five-star in some places. Like 24-7 had him as a five-star. And the fact that he chose Nebraska, I think he wanted to stay closer to home. Yeah. That's a good get for Matt Rule. Um, and there was times mm-hmm. that uh, when we saw at Baylor that, you know, that could be successful. So just pay attention to Malachi Coleman. Another guy I want to bring up is a guy that you brung up and that is Mr. Jalen Hale, who's going to Alabama. You're a systems guy. (laughs) I was surprised you didn't put him on our cream of the crop list because he's a consensus five-star according to uh, 247. So he's four, which means somebody (coughs) rivals um, made him not a five-star. So it dropped him down as far as his overall, which is not a terrible thing. I mean, he's still got a pedigree and things like that. So, I am a little wary of Alabama because I haven't seen Brooks really transcend. Jermaine Burton is nowhere to be found. I'm worried about the quarterback room there at Alabama. I know you're a systems guy, so immediately we're probably still wanting to take an Alabama wide receiver in the hopes that it kind of goes back to the Mechie and Jerry Judy's and things like that that we had a you know, year or so ago. But he does comp to a Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, and Minnesota's Rashad Bateman was very – very good for see if that purpose is, but this is a different system. So comp might be there, but what is your thoughts on Jalen Hale fitting into this wide receiver room? Do you think he's capable of jumping a couple of these guys that aren't producing? Yeah. So that was the big question that I wrote down with his name on my little note sheet here is I'm a systems guy. Last year I was heavily into Alabama wide receivers. If I couldn't get Isaiah bond, I was getting guys like Shaz Preston. I was getting guys like Kobe Prentice late and everything like that. But is the Bama wide receiver as valuable as it has been in the past? I mean, if you look at our ADP this year, no. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton are guys going way later than even where Jermaine Burton or guys like that were going the year before because back when you had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, you had Jamison Williams, you had Devontae Smith have one of the best fantasy seasons ever. You had um, uh, Jalen Waddle whenever he was – Whenever he was healthy, he was fantastic. Is Jalen Hale that home run guy? I mean, he is a three-sport athlete playing football, basketball, track, and field. So clearly he is a fast dude, six foot one. I love tall and fast guys, especially playing in the Alabama system. I'd be willing to take a shot on him, but also knowing the fact that, again, it's a crowded wide receiver room. They're going to need to lose some guys there for him to be relevant after this year. I don't think, again, I definitely don't think he's an immediate impact this year. And quite frankly, if that's how you're thinking with a crowded wide receiver room, that might be something you then want to avoid. You would rather take a guy that like in a crowded wide receiver room would jump guys. I mean, I, I think he can jump guys like Chaz Preston. Chaz Preston is a guy on a freaking milk carton. I don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. But like, but like Isaiah Bond last year, he was a guy that was making ways pretty early on. Now he's set to be one of the starting slot guys for Bama this year. Ja'Cory Brooks, obviously, was somebody that was kind of making waves. Jai Hall was making waves for all the wrong reasons. But, you know, if if, if that's Jalen Hale, then we got a problem. Um, Yeah, I, I like him overall and everything. I would probably put him, yeah, I got him in my top 15 wide receivers. So, again, I'm willing to take the shot on him in case Alabama gets back to their form on offense. But really in order for him to be super fantasy relevant, they got to fix that quarterback problem, which they 
are not really on track to do so right now. So I want to bring this up just because we're in uncharted territories where Alabama doesn't look like this powerhouse, especially on offense, maybe minus the run. The run still looks great. But would you say this is the year now to take Alabama wide receivers in a supplemental or in a, in a freshman draft because of the discount, because of the concerns? Or are you still saying, hey, the ADP is not for me, like I'm probably passing on these guys this year? I mean, I don't know what the ADP is. I have no clue um, where the we'll public consensus is on Bama. So maybe if there is a discount and you are somebody who believes that Bama is going to get back to form in one way or another, then yeah, take the discount, take the shot, go ahead, like continue to do what we've done the past couple of years and just try to load up on these guys that play for powerhouse programs that are going to score a ton. But if you do think that Bama is kind of on the decline there, then yeah, you maybe try to avoid hail a little bit, try to take some shots on other guys. Yep. Um, we're going to move on here to the Big Fish Small Pond, but before, just bring Wait, up... Wait, a- no, Brandon, I got, can I just name a few guys? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I got... Along. No, you're good. Um, one I want to bring up, and he might be one of your guys, Nathan Leacock, who went to Tennessee. Yes, sir. That was one. Um, he's a guy from Raleigh. Got to see him up close. He played a couple of guys uh, from Havelock, so he played Javante Vereen and a few other guys that are close by. So I got to see Leacock up close. This close to being a Tar Heel didn't happen. Almost became a Wolfpack, didn't happen. He chose Tennessee and hype was offense. So, like I was telling Austin, I don't blame him. That's a perfect pair for Nico. Um, so, I'm really high on Leacock to the point to where he's above even uh, the other Raleigh prospect, Mr. Noah Rogers, for me personally. But that could all change as soon as Rogers comes on campus and we see what he's capable of, basically. So, what's your thoughts on Leacock? And then give me a couple more other guys that you got. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, you you mentioned Leacock above Rogers. That's exactly how I have them ranked. Um, I like both of those guys. But Leacock, the thing that stood out to me was in the spring game, he was working with Joe Milton already. Now, granted, again, they were without every receiver under the sun. But even still, the fact that he was getting reps with Joe Milton, playing on the ones for Tennessee in that spring game, definitely stood out to me. He has really good size, six foot three, 200 pounds, really kind of fits that outside role that has been productive at Tennessee and Josh Heupel's system. Again, I know we focus on the slot a whole lot, but again, let's not forget what Cedric Tillman was able to do the year before as an outside guy there. So I think Nathan Leacock's definitely worth taking a shot on pretty early in your supplemental drafts. In terms of other guys here, I got four names here I can run through real quick, Brandon, I promise. Um, Let him rip. Jaden Greathouse in Notre Dame. Yes. So. Nine for 118 in the spring game, so definitely stood out there. Buzz has been pretty consistent there all spring. Something that somebody pointed out, and I wish I could credit them because I can't remember who said this on Twitter, but it kind of got me thinking about it as well. A lot of us kind of focus on the tight end room at at Notre Dame. Like, all right, who's going to be the next Michael Mayer? Who's going to be the next Michael Mayer? Why not a six foot one, 220 pound wide receiver? That's a pretty big dude. That's a pretty big target over the middle right there. So it, again, yeah. I don't think I don't know if he'll start, but it, he's already he's already gotten pretty consistent buzz here in the spring, and that wide receiver room's hurting a lot. I would not be surprised to see Greathouse be an impact player for the Irish this year. Yep. Other and guys, to, oh, go ahead. Real quick, just to sneak behind the curtain that Jared and CTN are doing, uh, you know, they're doing a dynasty month here, starting up again this month. So yes, there's going to be an episode on Impact Freshman. So uh, that's a great house is a guy that I want to dive a little deeper to in a future episode. But I definitely feel like he could be a, a standout star in year one for sure. So definitely like that call out. Who else you got? 
Uh, Barry Jackson in Cincinnati, again, this was a guy that kind of flew under the radar for me for a while until the spring game where, again, he caught two touchdowns. And quite frankly, the staff was just glowing about him and the players, some of them calling him the best player on the field as a freshman, just making impact plays all spring. We've seen in the past with Scott Satterfield that when he does find that number one wide receiver, he does like to force feed him. I don't know if that's Barry Jackson this year, but considering that I don't really... I'm not really in love with anybody else in that wide receiver room with the Bearcats. I'm willing to take the shot on him. And considering he's going to Cincinnati, he's not going to be somebody that's going to be taken super high in supplemental drafts. So take the discount there and I think run with it. In addition, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, Jackson had, since he stayed in G5, he would have been the biggest fish in the smallest pond for this year. But because he's P5, Mr. Damian Henderson had taken that role as well at Colorado State. So I want you to know that Jackson is a dude, and uh, he's also a guy I want to talk about in the Impact Freshman Show too. Uh, Other guys I got here, Joshua Manning. This is probably not a guy that will get on the field this year, but with Luther Burden, Mookie Mookie Cooper moving on the next couple of years, and if Kirby Moore stays at offensive coordinator, he's definitely somebody that I am – keeping an eye out for their uber athletic guy finished second in the state in the long jump and triple jump competitions. Like I said, you're talking about a super athletic guy there could easily stand out among his team. Once again, six foot three run track and field talking about a super tall, super tall and super fast guy. I'm willing to take shots on that. And again, Manny's going to be a guy that flies under the radar in your supplementals. Take a shot on him in like round six, seven, eight, nine, wherever he's going. Uh, and then last but not least, if you will allow me one homer throw out. Let's Brandon. do it. Yazid Haynes, Georgia. You are talking about a six foot one, 175 pound wide receiver. This dude can fly. You are talking again. Bama had their Lane Kiffin moment where they truly started to unlock their offense. They tried started to open things up a little bit. And what did you get after that? You got guys like Jalen Waddle. You got guys like Henry Ruggs, where it was just deep shot after deep shot to them. Georgia's now kind of had that offensive awakening moment with Todd Monkey coming in, opening up the offense, and now people are not hired to bring their offense to Georgia. They are hired to run Georgia's offense, which was installed there by Todd Monkin. I really think that Georgia, especially if they get some, if they get some improvement in the passing game hello Carson Beck hello a possible Dylan Riola that deep ball game is going to open up a ton for them and a guy like Yazid Haynes maybe not as a freshman but down the line could be an explosive explosive CFF player down the line I could already hear Nate Marquise laughing at me by even talking about a Georgia wide receiver but guess what I'm in on Yazid Haynes I'll take the discount on him because nobody else is going to be drafting Georgia wide receivers Nope, I just have Lab McConkey on a dynasty, and I know people laugh at me already, but hey, man, McConkey showed out on a few games, and he was good for me for DFS, so he holds he a special place in my heart. A good lad. <laughs> he is a good lad. I like it for sure. And who's to say Georgia doesn't turn around? I know everyone wants to see the downfall of Georgia. That's the ongoing joke in the Slack channel. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely like that pick as well. My quick homer pick, and then we'll move on to Big Fish Small Pond. He's not there yet, but I have heard rumblings. And then we know in the first episode, I talked about Christian Hamilton, who was there on spring. But they're really big on Chris Culliver, and he's the guy that was the higher-ranked four-star. They're pretty much just waiting on him to show up this summer and to start practicing. He runs – they said that if he does well enough, he could run Gavin Black 
well for competition for the outside almost immediately. If that's the case, I'm going to be putting a nice little circle around Mr. Culliver. That, that's but that's crazy. interesting considering Hamilton is already behind Blackwell and was in the spring as number seven. So it's like Culliver's not even there yet. And they're like, he can challenge that's- Blackwell. That's, that's really crazy then because then like that puts him ahead of Andre Green Jr. Because Andre Green Jr. is also yeah. competing for one of those outside spots. He is, but he is also technically behind Mr. Tez Walker as far as yeah, on but the they other can, side. They can, but they can move you, him around, they, right? I would say if you play X, you can play Z more, most likely. Right. So it's more so a threat to Andre Green, even though we do like Blackwell as far as certain games, he pops off, but he's not really a guy you keep on a CFF, especially a redraft. And even in Dynasty, he's just kind of a guy that just holds a spot, if that makes sense. But yeah, we're looking we're looking for the other guys. But just keep in mind, Chris Culliver is very anticipated. Um, so definitely check him out. But sir, are you ready for the big fish small pond? I am because you are doing something different this year where you are not telling me who this person is. So I get to no get surprised this year rather than doing yes. my own research and making my own opinions ahead of time. So let's do that. Because I want it in real time. And that's what I like about it. Uh, so I surprised uh, Austin with a quarterback that might start for San Diego state immediately. And then the week before, I think it was a given because you already rung his name up and they don't have a running back there. So at Colorado state, Mr. Damien Henderson, who actually now is one of the highest rated uh, four-star prospects in the G5. Now that Cincy and all those guys at UCF are now in P5 immediately, Mr. Damien Henderson jumps up to this one, this guy, other than uh, Mr. Jackson from Cincy, who we're not allowed to take anymore. uh, But after that guy, he's the next highest three-star. What if I told you, that he decided to stay at home 13 miles away and okay. his university is the Louisiana raging Cajuns. What's your thoughts about that before we start? I would say I'm not super stoked if I'm being real. Okay. Their offense has not been really geared towards wide receiver production. Correct. There's a reason why a guy like Kyron Lacey, who is a super talented dude, hightailed it over who upgraded, I would say, hmm to LSU, went to harder competition in order to make sure that he could get the ball. He's set to be their starting slot guy this year. So you're not starting off on a great foot here, Brandon. I ain't going to lie. No, but tell but me this about is also this is. a possible transfer, and we'll look at why we, he could probably transfer as well. That is Mr. Harvey Broussard on three consensus, 86.20, a three-star prospect, like I said, committed to Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. He chose local so st martinsville is literally 13 miles away from the campus there at louisiana so he decided to stay home his measurements six foot three 175 pounds he's a little bit slim so he needs to put on some size he's a 20 206 wide receiver overall for 24 7 sports and of course he stayed at st martinsville high school there in louisiana so moving to that his accolades and this is where i started to pique my interest a little bit more three sport athlete he did football is basketball, so he's got some hops, and he did do track and field. So he's 27.12 seconds in a 200-meter run. That is only about three seconds slower than one Zachariah Branch. So Zachariah Branch is a freaking all-star, right? He's just one of those kids that is one of the fastest in the country, hands down. So a kid that comes from Louisiana and only a few seconds lower than Zachariah Branch piqued my interest. And he did a 6-0 high jump as a sophomore. So he is the highest recruit on 2023 class for the Raging Cajuns. So he did do that as well. So knowing that stuff, do you think that talent could maybe change things around Louisiana? Or do you think this is a, hey, let's run Chris Smith or whoever the new running backs in town is and call it a day? What's your thoughts as far as Broussard coming into Louisiana? 
So I was a little too harsh kind of coming into this a little bit. Now, I still don't think the ceiling is there. But again, going back to last year, I mean, Michael Jefferson, 51 catches, 810 yards, seven touchdowns. Again, clearly the staff is been different, has been different than Billy Napier in the fact that they are okay with force feeding one of their guys just a little bit more. Here's the problem. I don't know how good Louisiana is going to be over the next couple of years. I, again, as much as we clown some about Billy over at Florida, I think he built a really good program at Louisiana, especially for like to compete with the Sun Belt. The thing about that is that I don't know this new staff is doing that. So Jefferson leaves after this year. We'll see what this staff does in terms of how they distribute the ball. Cause I do think that Jefferson, from what I could hear, they did think was like a, just a talent above everybody else in that wide receiver room. So they're okay with kind of force feeding him the ball just a little bit more maybe we can get the same thing here but i'm still a little hesitant again this is going to be a guy that the good news is if brandon has convinced you this is going to be a guy that you're going to be able to get at least in like shoot i say round 10 plus maybe even round 15 plus like oh yeah people aren't really looking yeah. for g5 freshmen in their supplemental drafts for the most part so Exactly. He's value. And there's, uh, there's going to be guys where you're going to get to like round 12 or 13. You can be like, I really don't want to take this supplemental guy because he's at a school that's maybe even worse. So what if I told you that going to uh, Louisiana, that previously the only other wide receiver that they had that was ranked higher than him converted to quarterback. So literally it leaves the room wide open. And that's why I wanted to bring him to your attention because I think he could actually start just like a Mr. Jackson at Cincy and a few other guys where he could be a difference maker. year one, regardless if it's only 800 yards and a few touchdowns, that's still a guy that you can maybe throw in a flex on some bye weeks. There's a spot where he could grow into a higher role where maybe that changes out a little bit more, but here's Jared where I think it's going to pick you a little bit more. So he had some offers, right? So let's look at this sheet. So he had an offer from Arizona, Arkansas, Arkansas State, Baylor. There's some big guys. Look, even Coach Prime offered him, of course. Uh, even Cincy, he might have had a shot to go up against Mr. Jackson for the wide receiver one there. Colorado State, maybe another guy to come and help Mr. Mr. Horton. Florida, but that's a death trap, so I don't see why he didn't go there. Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors in their fast style. And Virginia, which I don't blame him for going there. That's pretty impressive, right? But that's not all. So then he also okay. got offers from Houston, which I like. I don't like that from my golden one, Mr. Matthew Golden, but I think Golden is higher talent. And he's already established himself as saying, probably wide wow, receiver how, one. How, how dare a school offer good wide receivers as right. freshmen? And they already Houston already got like two or three wide receivers. I already looked. So, <laughs> <laughs> But guys like Kansas, which, I mean, he's a nice tall threat for a guy like a Jalen Daniels and stuff like that. Kansas State, Louisiana Tech, Tulane, Purdue. And he also got Maryland, Memphis, Memphis State, West Virginia. Um, so needless to say, he, even Louisville, which is another great offense to go to as well. So he had his pick of the litter. Everyone, he was very, at one point he was a four-star. He came down after, I believe, one other school or one other recruiting thing said. He's he's a little bit more raw in certain spots, but as far as overall, he's got I was the about same. to say, do you, know, do you know why he would have moved down? Because that might explain some things. One, like they didn't like that he wanted to stay home so much, if that made sense. Like, I don't know why that dings a person for wanting to stay closer, but they were saying that he had a chance to really stand out at some of these other universities, but he chose to kind of stay home. I like it because he's like, he's betting on himself and he's betting on a university mm -hmm. he grew up around. He's probably a fan of, if I'm honest with you, to try to turn things around. So I think that could be 
pretty helpful for a university. But the other one was he's a little bit raw in his route, so he does have to get a little bit better with that because he's definitely a more of a uh, – I wouldn't say he's DK Metcalf because he's a lot slimmer, but as far as like size and stature and the way that he has his go routes, he's very um, limited as far as his route tree currently at the moment. So, But he's one of those guys where if you're going to play in that conference in the, in the Sun Belt, you just have to get up and catch it basically, and you're good to go for the most part. So that's why they really were stoked about him there at Louisiana for the set. So all that to say – uh, you know, he's got opportunity and I, you know, me, I'm an opportunity guy. If you could get the ball in his hands early, I'm for it. And he's a steal because no one really knows about Harvey Broussard until now, probably. So, uh, there's, what's your thoughts about the overall prospect of Harvey Broussard in Louisiana? There's a lot of pros and cons here. Again, like right, you said, right. he's at least based on the accolades and everything you brought to me here. He is a guy that is going to stand out in this receiver room. Maybe the staff is smart enough to realize that, and they kind of focus the offense a little bit more towards him, kind of help them open up a passing game so they could run the ball a little bit more as well. But the problem is that, again, I, I know we just kind of clowned on the recruiting services for dinging him because he was staying close to home. But at the same time, like, that kind of tells me that football is not at the highest point of his mind. Now, again, family super important like if that is the reason why he's sticking around and everything i'm not going to knock him as a person for that but that tells me that he may not have his development at the highest point for himself so i don't know if he is going to stand out as much as somebody with his level of talent should because that's just kind of the way he is thinking again nothing wrong with that but as a cff drafter it is something i might consider there especially since you're trying to be as close to home as possible because like you saw some of the other offers there you got Tulane Tulane I think would be a better offense for him it might be able to develop him a little bit better like looking at some of these other teams like through here again you got Memphis that's not or not Memphis yeah Memphis isn't terribly far Houston's not terribly far you can be relatively close to home and both of those teams I think could develop you a little bit better go back to the first screen of offers there I look, I mean, Arkansas, um, Baylor's not terribly far. I mean, I guess I, I, I should be careful with my geography of Texas. I, I say something's not super far away and then suddenly it's 12 hours drive. Yeah. But even so, like, Texas is I, in country. Yeah. There's some other things here that I think he chose Louisiana for a reason. I don't think development was really at the top of the reason there. And I think that's going to hurt him long term. Yeah, I don't know his family situation. I just know he's really a, a family guy. So I'm hoping that things are okay and he's just choosing it to be close to family and there's not yeah, a medical it's, situation, it's like, I repeat, right? But nothing wrong with right. it. Yeah, but at the same time, like I agree with you. Uh, going to a smaller G5 school, I worry about the weight training program, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. he does need to put on some size. I would say he needs to put on at least 30 good, strong pounds if that's capable, and he's only really got a few years to do that at college before if he's going to try to be an NFL pro or a prospect of any kind, he has to really kind of get to that level of 195 to 100 and stuff, especially at 6'3", because if yeah. not, you're just going to get pushed around by the DBs, especially if you go to a higher – because you're playing in the Sun Belt, which is, I mean, I don't know, there might be a couple defenders that I don't want to be smirched. And I know Justice will probably like, 
you know, punch me in the face if I <laughs> besmirch any any good defensive players on any G5 school. Um, but, you know, I'm saying like competition Sunbelt versus the NFL when you jump up because I, I don't know if he is. If he does transfer, he's got plenty of opportunity, that's for sure. Uh, but he did choose home for a reason, so it's going to be hard for him to probably want to move on unless it's just like you were talking about the other wide receivers, like this ain't for me, I'm out type situation. So we could see that. But sounds like he's a homegrown kind of a guy, and he just wants to put Louisiana back on the map. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, but and again, the opportunity is there. So. The other problem is, again, I'm going through Louisiana's history, and granted, again, slightly different coaching staff and everything, but this wide receiver production is just so abysmal, dude. They've had one 900-plus yeah. wide receiver. in. I'm, I'm at 2017 right now. I'm continuing to go mm. back trying to find another one. Nope, 2016, there's none. Keep going. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find one. Not 2015. It's 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 pretty abysmal, dude. So, I again, he'd have to transfer out for me to consider him, and even still, that, that seems like a pretty risky proposition. Yep. So I'm just going to point it out there. He could be a guy that could produce or – he could be a guy that just disappears off the map. It's I would say, be or he could be Kikwada. This reminds me a lot of Kikwada at Old Dominion True. last year. High risk, high reward. Peter Kikwada was a guy I was very high on, and then it just he just not high that. risk at all, dude. Kikwada was a guy I grabbed at the end of my twenty five round supplemental. Uh, I put him in some best balls, hoping that he was going to hit too. So, um, <laughs> and nothing ever happened there. But that was early. That was after the episode. So I was like, maybe I can grab some kick water. You know what people were doing, but it didn't matter. And now I don't know where he's even at at all. I think he's just in the portal chilling now at this point. So, but Harvey Broussard could be a guy where I, you know, he can make something happen. If anything, at least he can get on the board with points. I don't think he'll be a year one wide receiver or year wide receiver zero, if that makes sense for year one. By the way, I have finally found a thousand yard wide receiver in Louisiana's history. What year was it? This was my friend 2011. Oh, and it makes me kind of sad that this program has had a thousand yard receiver more recently than Georgia has. Oh man, really? I did not know that. I think so. Like, I, I can't remember when AJ Green had his, but I, I think it's right around that saying, point. It had to be the AJ Green year for sure, man. All right, so that's going to wrap up the episode. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. Jared, while you're here, tell the people about Chasing the Natty. Tell them about the month that's coming up, what we got planned. Yes, and tell them, uh, we already said something about the CFF guy, but just remind them one more time, basically, for me. Yeah, reminding you guys one more time. When the CFF guy comes out on July 4th, it is the best $20 you will spend this entire college fantasy football season. So make sure you go and get it. In terms of stuff that we got going on right now, Go check out all of our CFF content over at campusdecanton.com, whether it is the podcast, whether it, it is the articles. We got awesome tools, including ADP rankings. We got the draft predictor tool, which is basically ADP on steroids, in my opinion. It really helps you kind of plan out your strategy over the next couple of rounds. So make sure you go check every bit of that out. In terms of what's going on on the podcast side of things, please go follow my podcast at chasing the natty on twitter you can just look up chasing the natty we got a totally fun month coming up for you guys again we've been talking a lot of spring games talking a lot of transfers a little bit but we're going to switch gears for about a month because right around june late may that's when a lot of dynasty talk starts going around you got a lot of supplemental drafts starting to kick up that's when people start getting the itch to start up a dynasty league so we're going to spend the month of may talking about that we'll kick off with a startup mock draft just three rounds but we'll go three rounds deep in the first episode of the month then we'll kind of slow it down 
break down some instant impact freshmen, which one person, at least on this show right now, will be involved with that. So can't wait for that show. And then we'll also break down some supplemental players that should be widely available in your CFF Dynasty League. So check that episode out. And then we will finish with a, another mock draft that will be solely focused on freshmen and supplemental. So you're definitely going to want to check all of that out. Lots of great stuff planned. So make sure you go check it out and subscribe to Chasing the Natty. So you heard it here first on the podcast. You're going to get two mock drafts that you're going to get to see as far as freshman and supplemental. So that's going to be awesome. And it's going to be cool to see the differences been between May and then we probably do it in June as well. So definitely excited. Well, no, first that. one's a startup mock. Second one's freshman supplemental. Gotcha. Still, regardless, one on Chasing the Natty. One's probably going to be on here as well as far as the mock draft Fair episode. Point. So you're going to get some good mock action regardless if you're doing startup that one. And that's what we want to do is we just want to give you a little bit of focus on Dynasty, at least for this month. I know this one's more Dynasty focused most of the time. But at times, you know, we do talk about redraft and things like that. But it's good that we're getting a whole month of Dynasty and people aren't comfortable with it. We have a way for them to ask questions, listen in, and then just kind of get comfortable with a Dynasty format for CFF purposes as well. So uh, once again, Jared, I want to thank you for coming on again sir it's always a pleasure to have you with me um you know you're a staple here at the show and other podcasts that i've had in the past so it's definitely good to have you on good sir um i want you guys to have a great week and we will talk to you next time peace see y'all